0: Hello and welcome to the Rational National Podcast for April 22nd, 2019. I'm your host, David Dole, and coming up on today's show, I'll have two YouTube segments for you. The first one from Friday, Mueller Report, No Easy Answers on Impeachment, followed by a video that is not currently public on the page, Zizek Exposes Defect in Jordan Peterson's Beliefs. So if you uh, actually hear this podcast before about 2 p.m. Eastern on Monday, you will have heard this segment before. It actually is uh, is live on the YouTube page. Now, I don't want to have this. Uh, I don't want to go too long in this intro because uh, I honestly I don't have too much to say today. But I will just briefly mention on the uh, zizek Peterson debate that I was there. So, uh, if you don't know about this debate, it was uh, Slavo Zizek versus Jordan Peterson on uh, Marxism versus capitalism. Actually, I should say happiness Marxism versus capitalism. So. I was there in person. It was quite an event. It was, I mean, the place was packed. It was at the Sony Center downtown Toronto. And uh, I had a great time. It was two and a half hours long. Of course, once the thing began, I had to go to the washroom immediately. (laughs) So (laughs) I held it in for two and a half hours. Uh, That part was not enjoyable. But it was uh, a very entertaining discussion. I will say it wasn't really a debate and it wasn't really about capitalism or Marxism, uh, you're going to hear uh, an analysis of just you know a small part of the entire discussion uh, coming up. I will possibly, likely do uh, at least one more video on this uh, debate, because there was so much in this that I really want to touch on. I think there were a lot of great points that were made. And I mean, I hadn't really been too exposed to Zizek before this, uh i did think he he did a a fairly great job and i i actually think he's almost the the right person to debate peterson not necessarily on this topic i do think someone like richard wolf who is a, a marxian economist would have been a better person to actually debate the issue of of marxism but um in terms of Zizek's ability to i think attract peterson's supporters because Zizek has a critique of political correctness that he shares with, with Peterson in in, in uh, many ways, I think that can be used as a bridge to bring Peterson's supporters over to Zizek's view in terms of his view on, on the economy as a whole, on, on Marxism, on a critique of capitalism that Peterson just does not have or understand, as was clear throughout this entire discussion. So uh, I hope... I mean, I, I, I hope and I think there's been some proof of this on, on Reddit that a lot of Peterson supporters became a little more informed because of Zizek in this discussion. So I hope that that is true. I hope that uh, made some impact. Because, look, one thing that's abundantly clear, and you're going to hear it in this, this segment coming up, Peterson has a real limitation in his view of the world. He, uh, it seems that he thinks everybody has good intentions or that everyone has the same idea of what good is. So that if you work on yourself, if you, if you improve yourself, then that will improve society as a whole. But Zizek, as you're going to hear, blows a hole in that idea. And it's simply not true. And there is no reason why you can't both work on yourself and work on society as a whole at the same time. There is no reason why you can't work to improve yourself in your own situation, while at the same time you join uh, activist movements or you join a political movement. There is no reason why you can't do both at the same time. It's it's really weird that Peterson is so uh, he, he rejects this idea that we should be trying to improve society, that we should just be focusing on ourselves. It's so it, it's absurd. I mean. As I mentioned in this video, I guess I'll spoil it, you know, just a, a little bit. I mentioned that Jordan Peterson would be the person in the early 1900s saying, "No, women should not have the right to vote because this is the way that society is set up. This is our hierarchy. It ha- it it works this way for for so many reasons. Sure there are some people that are left aside. Sure, you know, certain people don't have don't have the same rights as as white men do. But you know what? That's perfectly okay because that's it's just natural. The way that society is set up right now is completely natural and nothing should change. I mean, it, it, he, he completely doesn't understand that hierarchies evolve and change over time. It, to not understand that, and to not understand the impact that society has on your own individual situation, I mean, it shows you it, it, just a serious flaw in Peterson's thinking. So anyways, I don't want to talk too much about it because I do want to do a few more videos on this, this topic. But uh, let me get to it. So uh, you're going to hear the, uh, the first segment. It's, a, I think, about a 10-minute segment. Mueller report, no easy answers on impeachment, followed by a, a, more, uh, a longer breakdown. I think it's about 20 or 26 minutes long. Uh, Zizek exposes defect in Jordan Peterson's beliefs. So the Mueller report is now out, which means it's time to actually talk about it. I know it's crazy, It's a crazy idea to talk about a report only when it actually comes out and not endlessly for two years before it comes out. But I don't know. Over here at the Rational National, we do things a little differently. We actually wait for the report to come out before endlessly speculating either way. So uh, let me go just sort of an overview here on what this report shows us and potentially where it could lead us if uh, Democrats decide to move for impeachment or if they decide to not. So, first up, this report is 448 pages long with about a uh, 10% of it redacted. So, when it's laid out like this, it's really not it, it's it's not as uh redacted as I think a lot of people sort of expected it to be. Um I mean, large portions of it are redacted. I mean, there are enti- entire pages that are just, you know, completely black. But for the most part, it's all out there. Now, I want to start with this. So, this quote from Trump kind of gives you an idea, depending on how you take this quote, what this report means. So, this is from Trump. Quote, this is the end of my presidency. I'm fucked. Everyone tells me if you get one of these independent councils, it ruins your presidency. It takes years and years, and I won't be able to do anything. This is the worst thing that has ever happened to me. So this could mean one of two things. Now, people are taking this and thinking immediately, well, Trump obviously did something because here he is freaking out about this. I don't necessarily think that's true, even though I do generally agree with that in terms of I do think he did something illegal that he thought this Mueller report might uncover. I don't think it's conspiring with the Russian government to win the election, but I do think he did something illegal. But you could also say, look, he didn't do anything wrong, and he just thought that this investigation might even manufacture something uh, about him, or simply the fact that he's being investigated, even if he feels like he's innocent. I mean, yeah, that's a a piece of news that might bother people. I mean, in some ways you could say it may bother you... uh, just as much as if you were guilty because you are being investigated and you may fear that, well, they're going to try and manufacture something on me because there is this long investigation that is going to be the focus of my presidency for at least the first two years here. So I think there's a good argument either way. Now, with that said, (laughs) with all the other uh, evidence surrounding this, surrounding this statement, I do think it's very likely that Trump did something illegal that he thought this Mueller investigation would uncover that it ultimately didn't because the investigation was focused on uh, conspiring with the Russian government to win the general election. Now, let's get to the question of obstruction of justice because this is... So when I first reported on a Barr's summary of the Mueller report, I discussed how it didn't conclude either way if Trump had obstructed justice and apparently it had given evidence uh, for obstruction of justice. So there are actually 11 instances where Trump uh, displayed this uh, obstruction of justice. Let me just give you several of them. So this is from The Guardian. Trump's efforts to fire Mueller. Trump's firing of the former FBI director James Comey. Trump's efforts to hijack oversight of the Mueller investigation. Trump's order to the White House counsel, Dom McGahn, to deny that Trump had tried to fire Mueller. Trump's conduct with regard to associates who have pleaded guilty to crimes, including Michael Flynn, Paul Manafort, and Michael Cohen. Now, these are all examples of Trump obstructing justice. Now, this is something that people appear to be confused about, that, well, if there's no finding of an underlying crime, so if there was no conspiracy with the Russians, well, then this obstruction of justice doesn't mean anything because he wasn't trying to actually cover anything up. That's not true. So imagine if you you uh, hire a hitman, but the hitman doesn't actually kill somebody. You still hired the hitman to kill that person. That shows intent to do something. So Trump clearly displayed here that he was trying to obstruct the investigation, just because he may have not uh, actually been involved in conspiracy with the Russian government to, to win the election doesn't mean that there isn't a crime here. He was still obstructing justice. So let's actually go to um, Mueller's conclusion in the report on this charge of obstruction of justice. So this from The Intercept. Listen to special counsel Robert Mueller. With respect to whether the president can be found to have obstructed justice by exercising his powers under Article 2 of the Constitution. We concluded that Congress has authority to prohibit a president's corrupt use of his authority in order to protect the integrity of the administration of justice, he writes, adding, the conclusion that Congress may apply the obstruction laws to the president's corrupt exercise of the powers of office accords with our constitutional system of checks and balances, and the principle that no person is above the law. Got that? The special counsel, who listed 11 instances of potential obstruction of justice in his report, and refused to exonerate the president placed the decision firmly in your court. This is the impeachment referral you claimed you were waiting for. So I agree here with Mehdi Hassan in The Intercept. It's, I, I think it's clearly laid out that this is meant for Congress to uh, take this information and potentially move for impeachment. The, again, it's up to Congress, but if they want to, the evidence is here the charges are here to be able to push for this in the House. Now, it has to be said here that the Democrats don't have the numbers to convict in the Senate. So even if impeachment went through, it ultimately wouldn't do anything. And you could argue that it could help Trump's base, it could energize them to come out and vote for him in bigger numbers in 2020. But does that mean that we shouldn't be, that we should just let presidents do whatever they want because of how it may play out in politics. I mean, that's the real decision here. Now, before I even go farther in this discussion, let me play you this clip just to show you the Republican hypocrisy here because let l- <laughs> we should allow the grownups to have this conversation. Republicans, you shouldn't be listening to anything they are saying. Here is Lindsey Graham uh, in 1999 talking about the impeachment of Bill Clinton.
1: So the point I'm trying to make is you don't even have to be convicted of a crime
0: to lose your job in this constitutional
1: republic if this body determines that your conduct as a public official is clearly out of bounds in your role. Because impeachment is not about punishment. Impeachment is about cleansing the office. Impeachment Is about restoring honor and integrity to the office.
0: So there you go. According to Lindsey Graham, impeachment, you don't need an underlying crime for impeachment. It's about cleansing the office. It's about bringing honor back to the presidency. So again, don't listen to any Republicans on the issue of the Mueller report. They're just full of hypocrisy. Let's actually have a real conversation here on whether it is worth going through with this because it's worth weighing the different options. This stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum. In a vacuum, yes, clearly move for impeachment, but because there are real world effects on doing so, I think it's okay to sit back and think, okay, what is the best strategy here? Because let's say Donald Trump, let's say there's no move for impeachment. Donald Trump wins in 2020. At that point, might be a good time to move for impeachment. So, I just think there's no clear answers here. And I think anybody giving you a clear answer isn't being honest. It's, this stuff is not easy. It's, it's not, I mean, there are so many potential scenarios that can occur because of whatever decisions are made. That people need to understand whatever you choose to go through with, whether you go through with impeachment or not, there's going to be consequences either way. There's going to be good and bad either way. The only thing we can really say definitively is that this report does not show conspiracy with the Russian government to win the election, and it does show clearly some evidence of obstruction of justice. So, that's what, with that information, with uh, knowing you, you have that to work with, it's now time to figure out what you want to do. <laughs> so, I mean, for people watching at home, you can't do anything. This is not up to you. But if you... Uh, I'm just saying, understand, there are... Uh, there is no clear answers here. And if you move for impeachment, sure, it might sound good in the short term, but it might have some terrible consequences. At the same time... If you don't push for impeachment, then you're simply saying that, well, it's okay for a president to be as batshit crazy as Donald Trump and obstruct justice as Donald Trump did, and it's perfectly okay for them to get away with it. Either way here, I don't think there's any real clear answers.
1: You have unfairly tasked me with three very difficult questions. And so I'm, I'm hoping that I can... Next re- life. Next uh, <laughs> <that's> life. <laughs>
0: All right, so on Friday was the Slavoj Žižek versus Jordan Peterson debate about happiness, capitalism versus Marxism with Jordan Peterson representing the capitalism side and uh, Slavoj Žižek representing the Marxism side. Now, I was there in person. It was uh entertaining. I think there were some great moments, but largely it wasn't really a debate about capitalism or Marxism. It was more of a discussion and it was kind of around the edges on on these issues. I do think if you're going to debate Marxism, you should have a Marxian economist like Richard Wolff there to debate uh, Jordan Peterson. And really, I don't think Peterson is even the best representative of someone to debate capitalism. So, I mean, really the whole premise <laughs> and the people, and the, the the two people in this debate weren't necessarily the best people to have this discussion. But with that said... uh. I may be doing multiple videos on this because it's there are many moments I want to touch on. But in this video, I really want to focus on Peterson's argument of focusing on um, uh, the individual in, in terms of uh, clean your own room before really doing anything else. And how there's a fatal flaw in his argument. And really, there is no reason why you can't both work on yourself and work on improving society at the same time. But... Let me start here with uh, Zizek's argument, uh, where he he questions Peterson's focus on this whole idea.
2: Why do you put so much access to this? We have to begin with a personal change. I mean, this is also the second, or which one? I don't remember, forgive me, of your slogans in your book. You know, first set your house in order, then... But I have an extremely common sense, naive question here. But what if, in trying to set your house in order, you discover that your house in, is in disorder precisely because the way the society is messed up? Which doesn't mean, okay, let's forget about my house. But you can do both at the same time. And I would even say, I will give you now the ultimate example yourself. Isn't it that you are so socially active, because you realize that. It's not enough to tell to your, to, your, uh, to your patients, set your house in order. Much of the reason of why they are in disorder, their house, is that there is some crisis in our society and so on and so on. So my reproach uh, to you, Benevolent would have been, you know, that joke, tea or coffee, yes, please. Like, individual or social, yes, please, because this is obvious in extreme situations. Like, I hope we agree to say to somebody in, in North Korea, set your house in order. No, <laughs> ha. How do we usually deal with ecology? By this false personalization, you know? They tell you, ah, what did you do? Did you put all the coke cans on the side? Did you recycle all paper and so? Yes, we should do this, but you know, like uh, I, in a way, this is also a very easy way to discard yourself. like uh, you say, okay, I do the recycling. So up, you know, I did my duty. Let's go on. So I would just say, why the choice there?
0: All right, so uh, <laughs> Zizek's uh, quite a character. He, Before I even get to his argument here, he is sort of like, he has fantastic, uh, many fantastic ideas, but I think he's not able to communicate them as effectively as I wish he would, because he really could have cut that whole, you know, piece down to... A couple sentences. It didn't really have to be as as long-winded as it was. But with that said, um, so to me, this is like one of the major issues with Jordan Peterson. Now, I have no issue with Peterson and his focus on self-help. I think it's good. Self-help is important. It's important to, if you need that, it's important to have people like Jordan Peterson to be able to, to figure out how to improve your own life. But Peterson really has this lack of awareness in terms of the effects of society as a whole on the individual and how that creates issues. So to be solely focused on improving yourself, I mean, it, it gets exposed perfectly when g brings up North Korea. I mean, the idea of telling somebody in North Korea to, to, to clean your room or get your house in order, is just absurd because that isn't the problem in North Korea. The problem in North Korea is the society as a whole. So... Look, that is an extreme example, but that's also true in in Western uh, countries as well. I mean, it's it's not only about the individual. Again, you can do both. It's important to focus on improving yourself and ensuring that you are as best as you can be. But at the same time, you can also help with societal change and be inform yourself on the issues that may lead to problems like climate change. So the other great example there from Zizek... Recycling. The way recycling sort of, sort of uh, lulls, uh, lulls us all to sleep to thinking that, oh, well, I'm recycling, so we're, we're helping the world. Now, forget about, you know, like, fuck you. <laughs> forget about anything else in terms of climate change. I, I'm doing my, my part by recycling. But in reality, the real problem are the big polluters and, you know, subsidies to oil companies. These are issues that soci- we as a society should be facing and we should be discussing on a larger level. Like, this is it's not simply about your own actions. Again, like uh, being vegan is helps with the environment because the I mean, factory farming is a huge polluter. But again, the individual action of not eating meat is not what's going to save the planet. What will save the planet are large societal shifts that will require those that have the power to change the way that they are doing business and the way that they are making money. So again, it's not simply about the individual, and you can do both. Focus on the individual, focus on yourself, while also being aware and focused on the societal issues that may have put you in certain situations that you don't have uh, full control of because you don't because of the situation that exists within society. So, to me, this is really Peterson's biggest issue: is he tries to be more than what he is? He's a self-help guy. He's really not more than that, and. You know, for a lot of Peterson supporters or fans, that may bother you to hear that. But I think Zizek, throughout this debate, clearly exposed that, uh, clearly exposed what Peterson's strengths are and what his weaknesses are. Now, let me show you um, Peterson's re- response to this, and again, why I see uh, a- an issue with this.
1: Well, so first of all, I have to point out that it's you have unfairly tasked me with three very difficult questions. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm hoping that I can... Re- That's life! <laughs> That's life. <laughs> <laughs> if you said life is a challenge! Yes, so, so awesome. <laughs> look, Look, there's, there's a very large clinical literature that suggests that if you want to develop optimal resilience, what you do is you lay out a pathway towards somewhere better. Someone comes in, they have a problem, you try to figure out what the problem is. And then you try to figure out what might constitute a solution. And so you have something approximating a map, right? And it's a, it's a tentative map of how to get from where things aren't so good to where they're better. And then you, you have the person go out in the world and confront those things that they're avoiding, that are stopping them from moving towards that higher place. And there's an archetypal reality to that. It's You're in a fallen state. You're attempting to redeem yourself, and there's a process by which that has to occur. And that process involves voluntary confrontation with what you're afraid of, disgusted by, and inclined to avoid. And that works. Every psychological school agrees upon that is that exposure therapy, the psychoanalysts expose you to the tragedies of your past, you know, and and redeem you in that manner, and the behaviorists expose you to the terrors of the present and redeem you in that manner, but there's a broad agreement across psychological schools that that works, and my sense is that we're called upon as individuals precisely to do that in our life, but I do believe that the best bet for most people is to solve the problems that beset them in their own lives, the ethical problems that beset them, that they know are problems, and that they can set themselves together well enough so that they can then become capable of addressing larger-scale problems without falling prey to some of the errors that characterize, let's say, over-optimistic and intellectually arrogant ideologues.
0: So, look, nothing here that Peterson says is wrong. Focusing on yourself, improving yourself, is good. And yes, it can benefit society at large. So for example, I went through cognitive behavioral therapy, because I suffered from social anxiety. And because I did that, uh, in part, I was able to, or in part, because of that, I was able to then eventually, you know, years later, go on and uh, run as a candidate in politics, and now do what I'm doing now. But this sort of, this sort of approach doesn't impact every issue. So simply because I went through cognitive behavioral therapy didn't somehow help poverty or didn't somehow address wealth inequality. I mean, these are issues that you can tackle at the same time. You can both be aware of societal issues and try and tackle them through various uh, social means or uh or, or I mean, and you can also help to improve yourself. And look, a lot of Peterson's self-help stuff, you notice this from his from his supporters, from his fans. It's a lot of White guys, a lot of younger white men. Now, it's that isn't always the case. Obviously, yes, of course, he has older supporters and younger or and uh, female supporters, but it's largely younger white men, younger white men from suburbs that are middle class. So, uh, I mean, like I am the perfect, <laughs> I am the perfect uh, example of uh, somebody who would be into Jordan Peterson. So, this is where. I think he he doesn't quite grasp what life is like for people outside of these situations where you are already born into a life that is pretty good and sure it could be better but it could also be much worse. So like if you are if you are born into a family that is incredibly poor that doesn't or can't afford healthcare that uh, you live in the middle of a food desert and there, there isn't a grocery store for miles and miles and miles. I mean, this is the kind of situation where, sure, you can clean your room, but it's only going to do so much. You actually have to be engaged with society as a whole and trying to improve society as a whole to ensure that those kinds of situations are more and more rare. So you can't simply be focused on yourself and the individual. You have to be doing both at the same time. Yes, improve yourself, but also work to improve society as a whole. Now, I'm going to get to... Uh, so this is a, an, this is sort of related to what we're talking about here. But Peterson also goes on to talk about meaning. And I'm showing you this because Zizek, I think, has a... This was maybe the, one of the best moments after Peterson's clip that I'm going to show you. Zizek's response to this is maybe one of the best uh, moments of this entire debate. But first, let me show you uh, Peterson discussing the importance of meaning.
1: See, this instinct of meaning is a sophisticated one. It's not that I'm making a case for the individual, like Ayn Rand makes a case for the individual. That's not it. I'm making a case for individual responsibility. That's not the same thing. It's like, there is something that's good for you. But it has to also be good for your family. If it's just good for you, that's not good enough. And if it's good for you and your family, and it's not good for society, then that's not good enough either. And so the responsibility is to find a pathway that balances these things in a harmonious manner. It's like a... I got a lot of this thinking from Jean Piaget and his idea of mm-hmm. equilibrated states, right? Is you're, you're attempting to find something like a game that everyone is willing to play, that can be played in an iterative manner and not degenerate. Well, hopefully actually ascend, if that's possible. Hopefully become a better and better game across time. And I do believe that I do believe that you can do that. I do believe that you can do that if you're guided by truth, and I do believe that the pathway to that is the phenomenology of meaning.
0: So, this was actually a moment that made me uh I don't want to say empathize, but maybe understand Peterson a little bit better. Because in the past for, for me it was sort of hard to tell if he was uh simply, you know, in some ways a grifter and using his newfound fame to uh, make money in various ways for himself and and simply push a certain narrative because he found that to be popular, or if he actually believed what he's saying. And I do think he truly believes what he's saying, because here, what he is showcasing is that without even realizing it, he's saying that he thinks people are inherently good, and that they are going to do what's Good for society. If they do what's good for themselves and what's good for them what's good for their family, they also have to do what's good for society. But who chooses what's good? I mean, this is the problem here. Everybody has their own idea of what is right or wrong. So if you are doing what you think gives you meaning, what you think is good for society, because maybe you've been told what's good for society, again, it's hard to know what exactly motivates people. So this is where Zizek gets in, and honestly, I mean, this is one of the the best points I think that Zizek made throughout the entire uh, debate. And this is it's kind of long because Zizek tends to be long winded, but it's it's worth listening to and uh, grasping what he's really saying here.
2: The danger here here ideology can massively enter. You describe a nice situation. You are tempted or ordered or whatever to do something that you know it's wrong, but so called totalitarian ideologies step in at this point and try to present to you that the true greatness is to do what you individually think is wrong for the higher cause. You know who says this wonderfully? Uh, uh, a horrible guy. Not one, uh, 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 Heinrich Himmler of SS. <laughs> No, 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 sorry, seriously. No, he, 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 knew Jew- he knew the problem. Yes. German officers must do horrible things. Kill yes. Jewish, and his solution was double. First, to let them know, as he put it somewhere, every idiot, idiot, okay, ordinary man can do something great, maybe, not all sacrifice himself for his country. But his reply was, his point was, but it takes a truly great man, to be ready to lose his soul and to do horrible things for his country. And I read some good memoirs of relatively honest communists who broke down when they were sent to the countryside famine in early 30s. And this is what what they were told by apparatchik. You will see horrible things, children starving and so on. Remember there is the higher cost, your highest ethical duty is to, is to overcome this small bourgeois sentimentality. And so here I see the danger of, again, my pessimism, false meaning, which can massively cover this false narrative. Second thing, also the solution by, I wonder if you share this pessimism of mine, another one by Himmler. You know what was his sacred book I read? He all the time had a special... Uh, a leather-bound copy in his pocket, Bhavagad Gita. He massively, he said his problem was this one, he puts it perfectly. Uh, Nazi officers have to do, assess horrible things. How to enable them to do it without themselves becoming horrible beings? His solution was Oriental wisdom. To learn to act from distance, I am not really there, And this was the shock of my life. Based on this, do you know the book? I found a book, the guy then wrote many books, Brian Victoria, Zen at War. It's a shocking book, especially horrible for many so-called anti-Eurocentrists who claim our monotheism is guilty of everything, we need oriental. Yeah, but that book is about the, apart from a couple of exceptions, the behavior of Zen Buddhists community in Japan in the 30s, early 40s, not only they totally supported Japanese expansion into, into uh, China, they even provided properly Zen Buddhist justification for it. For example, the one, you know who did this? No, you are not as old as me. I remember him, D.T. Suzuki, the great pre. Yeah, but okay, he was doing this in the 60s, but as a younger guy, he was fully supporting Japanese militarism, and one of his justifications was this one, the advice to, of Japanese military to them to support Zen Buddhist training, because he says, it's one of the most horrifying things that I've ever read, he said, sorry, don't take it personally, but let's say an officer orders me, if I were to tell this to you, it would be too obvious, so I pick you, I have to kill you, stab you with my knife. And he says, If I remain in this illusionary self, then I feel responsible, I kill you. But he says, if you are enlightened by Zen Buddhism, then you know there is no substantial reality, you become a neutral observer of your life, just a flow of phenomena, and you tell yourself, it's not that I'm killing you, but in the cosmic dance of phenomena, my knife is floating and somehow your knife False you know what i'm saying this? I'm not disputing some spiritual greatness of Zen Buddhism. I'm saying how even the most enlightened this spiritual experience can serve a terrible cause
0: all right so uh as I said, <laughs> it was kind of long winded there but this this is Zizek describing false meaning and how you know if you'd simply follow what you believe to be what you're supposed to be doing, it's not really a clear indication that what you're doing is actually good. So even if you're following following what you think is, is right for yourself, that doesn't mean that's what is actually a good thing to be doing. So when you have, like, the example of the, the Nazis, like, imagining themselves outside of their own body in order to be able to kill people, I mean... That's the kind of thing where Peterson's entire idea of focusing on yourself and and finding your meaning kind of falls apart because it, it shows that you it's not simply about the 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 individual. It's not simply about finding your own meaning. It's also about really truly understanding what is good for society as a whole. And some people are incapable of understanding what is actually good for society, or they are not. It's not that they're incapable; they are misinformed. They're being influenced by whatever forces that are around them to think that what they are doing is actually good. This is what I talk about all the time when with, with people that are that do bad things. I say, I really, in most cases, except for like Roger Stone, I mean, who for me is always like the perfect example of somebody who is who actually knows they're an evil person. But in most cases, most people that do bad things don't think that they are doing bad things they think that they have convinced themselves that they are doing what is correct that they are doing what is right and even if even if they they view something oh, okay well i could be uh, better in this way they think that well to be to be pragmatic or to do what um to, to actually get things done properly i have to do it this way and this is something that is it's pervasive in politics it, it's it's all i mean this is our society right now so this is why it's important to build movements and have and really have these these people powered movements that are designed around various ideas. Now, in that you know, in that same vein, you're going to have people or you're going to have movements that are also negative, like white nationalist movements, and they think what they're doing is correct. But that's why, if you truly believe in the ability for people to overcome and and uh, really figure out what is best for society. Right now and and going into the future, then you have to be involved and educate yourself in some way about society as a whole, and not simply just focus on yourself. Which again, yes, focus on yourself. Yes, self improvement is important, and that's where Jordan Peterson comes in. But he he misses uh, Peterson is absent of that idea. that society evolves. Now look, there is so much more in this debate I can get into, but there's a part of this debate where Peterson really doesn't understand that hierarchies change over time. That he thinks, that he looks at lobsters, oh, you know, lobsters have hierarchies, animals have hierarchies, that means it's completely normal for us to have a hierarchy right now in this capitalist society. But that hierarchy has changed over time. It was different under feudalism, it was uh, different under uh, hunter-gatherers, it it can be different in the future. I mean, you put Peterson back in like the early 1900s, he'd be the guy talking about how oh no, women shouldn't vote because this is the this is the way society is. Hierarchies are just normal right now. Men are at the top. That's how it should be. But I mean, it's like it, he really does not. I'm not. It's it's hard to explain because I don't understand how he doesn't get it. Hierarchies are not permanent. They evolve. They change. Meaning changes the 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 way society is is uh designed changes and evolves based on the various needs of that society. so to simply think that we are doing exactly what we should be doing right now and that we shouldn't be addressing larger societal issues, I think it it shows you the serious flaw in Jordan Peterson's thinking despite the fact that I do think he has uh, I, I'm sure he he has helped people and has the potential to help people with his self help work but Missing that larger uh, picture and really not understanding the, the importance of society as a whole shows you that Peterson is just completely lacking, I think, as a public intellectual.